So as I was studying for this message, um, I found, you know, have you ever seen these posters that are motivational posters? You know, they say, you know, challenge or attitude. They hang around offices or different things like that different things, I tripped over some demotivational posters. These would be posters with people who have no hope, would actually maybe hang in their offices or in, in their homes. All right, look at this. Someone said, pessimism. Every dark cloud has a silver lining, but lightning kills hundreds of people each year who are trying to find it. <laughs> That's a pessimist. No hope. Curiosity. Some places remain unknown because nobody has ventured forth. Others remain so because no one has ever come back. (laughs) Um, Ambition. The journey of a thousand miles sometimes ends very, very badly. (laughs) I like it. Uh, Mistakes. It could be that the purpose of your life is to only serve as a warning to others of what not to do. And then wishes. When you wish upon a falling star, your dreams can come true. Unless it's really a meteor hurling toward the earth in which that will destroy all of life. Then you're pretty much hosed no matter what you wish for unless it is being hit by a meteorite. (laughs) Now, these are funny. I will give you that. However, how many people actually walk every day with no hope? And this is kind of their mindset. In life, this is their thought process, and just to just to be honest, sometimes this is how some of us walk through life in certain situations, and that's why we are in this series called Hope Lives. And look, there has never been a time in in my lifetime, anyway, where we didn't need hope more than it is than we do right now. And here's what I know about all of us: you and me. Is that we all, we all have hopes, we all have dreams, we all have desires of things that we want to do in our life, how we want our life to end up, how we want to live our lives. And then for some of us, just to be honest, we're not seeing those hopes come to pass. We're not seeing our dreams come true. But here's the reality for all of us, is that we all have unmet dreams, unfulfilled dreams, and sometimes even unrealized dreams. And in fact, a lot of us, we may feel like we're in a time right now where you're just disappointed with life in general. And it could be that you're in that state where maybe you're looking around and you're thinking, man, I've got, I've got a lot more time behind me than I do in front of me. And I have not fulfilled the dreams that I once had when I was younger. And so last week in part one of this series, we actually discovered that even though we all have hopes and dreams, all of us have had something to rob us of our hopes. But the good news is that God does his best work in hopeless situations. And that although Jesus was in the grave on Saturday and everything seemed empty and hopeless, that God does his best work in hopeless situations on Saturdays in our lives. And so I challenge you just to change your mindset, to be able to look through Saturday, through all of all the situations when they get hopeless, and to actually realize that your Sunday is coming, okay? So what I want to do today is I want to take the next step in actually finding hope. And we're going to find that in an account in the book of Genesis. Now, 
In the 12th chapter of Genesis, we meet the famous father Abraham. All right, And when we meet Abraham, we don't know this yet when we meet him, but later on we'll come to find out that his dream is to be a father, a dad. He wants a family, a big family. But the problem is, is that he and his wife, they are very old, and they still don't have any children, but he still has this dream. And so by, the time, by this time, anybody else would have given up hope, but God actually appeared to him, and he makes him a promise. He tells him, he said, I'm going to bring you into a land that I'm going to show you and I'm going to make you not just a dad, not just a father. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to exceed your expectations. Now, despite this encounter with with this supernatural being God, the next few chapters actually don't go very well for him. So right after this, he heads out toward this promised land and there's immediately a famine. And because of this, he and his wife go to Egypt where Pharaoh actually takes Abraham's wife as his own. And then Abraham's nephew Lot, who he brought with him, he actually gets captured. And so honestly, after God shows up and calls Abraham away from his family and away from all his security, security, everything that he had known to this new land with new promises, everything falls apart immediately. And so understandably, Abraham, he's a little bit shaken. He doesn't know what's going on. And then in chapter 15, God shows up to Abraham again in a vision. And here's what we're going to find out is that in this visitation, okay, from God, hopeless Abraham finds hope. Let's look at it. Genesis 15, starting with verse 1. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. And God says, don't be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. And don't be afraid, Abram, I am your shield. So this time, Abraham is a little bit more skeptical about God's promises. And he actually asked him, like, he said, will you give me a sign? Like, like it's been a while, God, you know, since you promised this, and things have not gone my way. You made some pretty big promises, and it doesn't seem like you're delivering on any of them. So in verse 2, Abraham said, well, sovereign Lord, so he starts out polite, but then he says, what can you give me since I remain childless? <clears throat> Remember the promise? And the one who is, will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And he says, you've given me no children. You have given me no children. He's reminding God of his promise. And he says, yeah, and so because of that, my servant will be my heir. So he points to God's unfulfilled promise. Sometimes, if we could just be honest, sometimes we feel like that. Because we've got promises from God as well, right? Like, for instance, Jeremiah 29, 11 is, a, is one that we love. It says, God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares to prosper you and to not harm you, plans to give you hope and give you a future. And we all sometimes have a hard time believing this in the presence of what seems like the very opposite of this. And then in Proverbs 3, it says, Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. In other words, he'll clear out a path for us to be able to pursue And accomplish the dreams, the hopes that he's placed in our hearts. But how many times do the path to our plans 
and her hopes not seem straight at all. Sometimes it seems like there's hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. And so it's not unusual for us to ask the question, the same question that Abraham asked. God, are you, are you, are you going to help me? And look, when you're facing tests of faith, I'm telling you, they, we all put on a face. But even the strongest Christians can find it a challenge to find hope in some circumstances. But we all, and we all already know that the biggest problem with not having hope is this. That when you don't have hope, we make really bad choices. It's true. And we, we all know it. We all see it in other people. Sometimes in ourselves. But when we don't have hope, we make bad decisions. And one of the reasons why we make bad decisions when we don't have hope is because a lack of hope actually robs us of big thinking. And so then what we do is we limit ourselves to small thinking. Right? That's a path of least resistance. Okay? So here's what we do. We adopt John Benfield's mentality, who said, eagles may soar, but weasels don't get sucked into jet engines. (laughs) So let's just think small. So when we have no hope, we limit ourselves to very, very small thinking. And when we limit ourselves to small thinking, it actually causes us to make poor choices. It causes us to self-sabotage. All right? When you have no hope, the other thing that we tend to do is to be more indecisive. We're indecisive. We're indecisive to minimize regret later on, right? Because if we go ahead and make a decision that leads to a bad outcome, we're going to feel worse than if the decision had been in somebody else's hands. So we make it, basically, if we make that decision, not only has something bad happened, but we're responsible for it. So we adopt the mentality of the great philosopher Homer Simpson. Who says trying is the first step toward failure. <laughs> so we just don't try. We're indecisive. So, even, so if it turns out badly, well, at least I'm not responsible for it. right? And then things get worse. Because when you have no hope, we tend to be pessimistic. right? We are more likely to believe that the circumstances are going to turn out badly for us. Where we pick up the mentality of another great philosopher, Dwight Schrute. Who says, not everything is a lesson. Sometimes you just fail. (laughs) Which cycles back around to indecisive. Because we think if a decision that we're going to make is going to turn out bad, we're less likely to even make it. And this is all compounded by the fact that when we have no hope, we tend to believe that we have fewer resources internally and externally to deal with the problems. Like, for instance, let's say you're already struggling with hope. Maybe you're depressed and you're offered a promotion. You might be more likely to actually decline that because you actually believe that you would fail or you might fail. And it's not worth the risk. And so the thing is, what we end up doing is risk aversion. Studies have actually found out that people with no hope who are depressed often make decisions specifically just to avoid anxiety. Which is always bad. I've done that. Have you ever done that? And then hope gets darker and darker and darker. And so this is actually where Abraham finds himself. After years of things not going his way, I'm sure he was excited when this mysterious God appeared to him and promised him that he would be not just a dad, but the father of many nations. However, he had not held on to that promise because of all the bad things that had happened since he got that promise. 
it all seemed to be spiraling down. And not only that, but all the time that had passed between his hopes and his dream coming true. But the good news is that God never loses hope in us. And as we continue this story of Abraham, we actually find out that God never lost hope in Abraham either. In fact, we find some secrets on actually how to restore our hope if we have lost it. And for those of us that have hope, how to actually strengthen hope. Take that next step to where your hope is even stronger. And look, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, I've actually got good news for you today. The principles we're going to learn today, they work even if you're not a Jesus follower. It's, it's just how God created humans. And you actually find these principles discovered in modern psychology today, which actually should intrigue you that God explained these things in Scripture thousands of years ago that modern psychology has now only begun to scratch the surface of. So... Back to the story. Now, remember, God came to Abraham just to encourage him and to give him hope. And he tells him, hey, I'm still with you. I'm still going to take care of you. And Moses put, I mean, Abraham pushes back. And he says, how can you say that? I'm still childless. It's been years. And what God does next is so powerful. It's something that changes Abraham's life forever. And I believe that it can also change the trajectory of our lives forever if we can grab a hold of it it's a part of our makeup as human beings and how god made us to be and so god unpacks this amazing tool to actually help build hope watch this in verse five god takes him outside now i can only imagine as abraham would walk out of his tent in an area near what would be known years later as jerusalem itself and God takes him outside and he tells him, he says, look up at the sky. So with no city lights, nothing to actually interrupt this beautiful night sky, a sky that Abraham would have seen a thousand times before. But this night, it's different. This night, those same stars that he had seen a thousand times will give him hope. Those stars will actually change his life forever. He says, look up at the sky and count the stars if, you can, if you, you can indeed count them. I'm sure Abraham would have looked up and he looks at the stars. And obviously, you know, he can't count them all. I and mean, it's more vast. The expanse is more than he can imagine. And I'm sure standing there wondering, what, what do these stars have to do with anything? I still don't have a kid. God. Maybe Abraham starts to tell God, look, there's no way to count them all. But anyway, that's not, you change the subject, God. But God then tells him, you see these stars? So shall your offspring be. And listen, in that one moment with these five words and that one clear picture, Abraham could imagine. See, God had told him before, but this time he can see, Abraham can see in his mind's eye what God was going to do. He could imagine those things that are not as though they would be, as though they were. And then it says that Abraham believed the Lord. Because of that, he believed the Lord and it credited to him as righteousness. Abraham's hope was restored with one look 
His eyes open now to what the future actually held. And in that moment, hope was restored. He believed. He had hope because he could see the future as though it were true. You see, in that moment, he could see as God sees. And so here's what I want you to take home with you today. Okay, And that is that hope starts with your imagination. Let me say it again. Hope starts, hope God's way starts with your imagination. You see, our imagination is simply the ability to see with our heart what we cannot see with our eyes yet. And just like Abraham, your ability to see with your imagination in your own mind's eye, your ability to visualize the dream that God has given you, the dreams that you have, it's the beginning of hope. It may be your dream for your family. It may be your dream for your children, for the business that you have or will have, that thing that you've always dreamed of doing. It may be a dream of just feeling better. It may be your dream for healing. But there is something on the inside of each and every one of us that we dream of and hope your ability to imagine is not only the beginning of hope, but it's actually the sustenance of hope as well. It is the very thing that will sustain you through the hard times. It'll sustain you from distractions. It'll sustain you. Hope will sustain you when it looks like it's never going to happen. And look, 2,000 years after God took Abraham outside of his tent and had him look up, the Apostle Paul would actually look, would read this passage and unpack it for us even more as he writes about this very account with Abraham. And in Romans 4.18, he says, against all hope. In other words, when everything's against you, when it looks like it's never going to happen, when it looks like you're not going to make it. And, and I think we've all been to that place where we feel like we're against all hope. And so Paul starts this way, against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. And listen, this next part, I want to warn you, it's a spoiler alert, because he says, and so Abraham, in hope, became the father of many nations. It happened, just as it had been said to him, and then he quotes God in the Old Testament, so shall your offspring be. So Abraham did have his child. He did become the father of many nations. But it would still be years and years and years later before he ever saw his first child, Isaac. And it would, be, it would be after many more mistakes on his part along the way. But after this evening, after this night, he never lost hope. And God never gave up on him. Isn't it great that as long as we keep getting back up, that our hope can still live? Then Paul, he goes on. In verse 19, he says, And without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Hope is not avoiding the circumstances. Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Hope is not avoiding the circumstances. Sometimes you have to face 
the facts. Sometimes you got to face the diagnosis. You got to face the breakup. You got to face the financial troubles. You got to face the fact that you flunked that class. Whatever it is, the key is to face the facts, but without weakening your faith. So, Micah, how do I look at this diagnosis? How do I look at my pain, my heartache? How do I look at, at what's happened in the past without losing faith? You've got to keep your imagination on the dream of God's promise. Because, look, hope starts with you seeing in your imagination when you can see those things that are not as though they are. Okay? You've got to see truth over the facts. Okay? Let me explain. You can't bury your head. You can't yell at the doctors for the report. They're just reporting the facts. Okay? However, you can face those facts and then look up to your stars and see the truth that will prevail over those facts. Okay? So, just like Abraham, hope starts with your imagination. Hope keeps your faith from weakening. All right? And then, in the next verse, it says, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. So our big question today is, how? How did he not waver regarding his dream? I'm so glad you asked. Because it goes on to ask, and he says, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but was strengthened in his faith, gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Now look. What happened between Abraham being hopeless and hopeful was that God had him imagine his future as it was promised. And it worked for Abraham. And I just wonder, I just wonder if it might work for you, for me. And if there was any question whatsoever, if it would work for us, Paul actually answers that question loud and clear in this next verse. Verse 23, he says, the words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. So listen, that same thing that worked for Abraham, when he saw those things that were not as though they were, he imagined the promises being true. He looked up to the stars and he imagined those being his children. It worked for him. And verse 23 says it'll work for you as well. And look, if that wasn't enough, just a few chapters later, Paul explains it to us again. In Romans 8, says, for in this hope we were saved. But the hope that is seen is no hope at all. Because who hopes for what they already have? See, hope is seeing something that isn't seen with your natural eyes. Something that isn't present yet. See, once it becomes present, you don't need hope anymore. Right? Because you, you can see it. Hope means that you're looking at something that you cannot see. So, Micah, well, if I can't see it, how am I supposed to look at it? You can see things with your heart. And my friends, this is what imagination is. It's seeing things in your heart that are not 
as though they were. Next verse. But if we hope for what we do not have, we, we wait for it patiently. Oh, okay, I don't like this sermon anymore. All right, there it is, the dirty word. I knew it. I knew it was a setup. I knew it was a scam the whole time. Now I've got to be patient. Now I can do the imagination thing. That's all like Mr. Rogers and stuff. But this, patience? But here, let me tell you, you only have as much faith as you have patience. But let me tell you, the, I'm going to tell you a secret, okay? The same way that God took Abraham out on that clear night and had him look at the stars and imagine his ancestors. What he was actually doing was he was going into the future. And he was imagining and seeing the past from the future. I'm telling you, patience is painful from the present. It's always painful from the present. But from the future, patience is easier. I mean, think about it. There have been situations in your life that you were going through that were just excruciating as you went through them, right? But now that you're on the other side and you're looking back, now you can see the hand of God. Oh, if that hadn't happened, then this would have happened, and I never would have met that person, and then I would have never been in a position for this. And so patience from the future is much easier than patience from the present. Last week, I told a story about how Melissa and I we waited for seven years to have a child. And that Melissa wanted to be a mother by the time that she was 30. Her birthday is in November, and so early in the year, the conception date came and went, no baby. And it was agonizing for us. Those seven years were painful. But now on the other side of it, with a 19-year-old that eats us out of house and home, <laughs> who we're incredibly proud of, now that we look back at that journey... We remember the pain, but we don't feel the pain. We remember the patience, but it was not, it's not as hard. So hindsight being 2020, as they say, what if you could go into the future and get hindsight? What if we could have gone, look from now, back to the late 90s, the early 2000s, and look back at that seven years, that patience? It's easy from this side, because we know the end as we're looking, and I believe that this is why God can be so patient. He can wait years and years and years. We're falling apart, but he doesn't get anxious. He doesn't get tired because he sees the beginning from the end. And this is what makes God patient. You see, when what God has told us has, is made, has, has been made into a vision on the inside of us, we'll wait for it with patience because we know. And so, but sometimes your imagination can flip on you, right? You can start seeing the negative side of something instead of the positive side. And when we quit, we give up. Our imagination then turns to be negative. And at that point, we'll never have hope. You see, your imagination dictates how your life goes. And you've got to control your imagination or your imagination will actually control you. Look at Proverbs 23. For as he thinks in his heart, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. This is all through the Bible. It's God's tool. It's his secret to bring hope into our lives. Because the way that you think is the way that your life is going. Your imagination actually creates hope that creates your future. 
this is, this is why we do this every week is to keep you in God's word and to give you hope. But you have to let it change your imagination. Because God put a positive imagination, a hope on the inside of you that will make a difference. It will bring you hope. And if you allow him to do that, you'll be believing and looking for better results than you ever had before. Because hope is powerful. And we've got to understand the power of our imagination if we're going to harness the power of hope. The God who made the sun and the planets and the stars promised one man in the desert plains of prehistoric Israel that he would never leave him childless. The God who made this glorious symphony of galaxies, he had Abraham look up at it. But he also makes you and he makes me. He made us, and he never tires of calling out to us and asking us to dream as well. And it's because he's faithful. He just needs for us to be able to see it. My friends, this is hope. And hope starts with your imagination. And and look, I believe that that is what he was trying to teach Abraham, is to see into the future those things that are not. To see the promises of God coming true. To see your family strong. Your family and marriage strong. Your prodigals coming home. That you have more than enough to be a blessing to other people. Could you imagine what those things look like, feel like in your life? What they smell like in your life? So here's my challenge to you today. I want you to make a decision to look at your stars. So Abraham's stars in the night sky... They were the fact that he was going to be the father, not just a father, but the father of many nations. It was him seeing into the future and picturing what that would be like. So what are your stars? What is that vision, that dream, those things that have been put in your heart for your future? I want you to identify those things and listen, make a decision to look at them daily. And I want to encourage you this week, find some things that represent your stars. You might hang a a picture on your refrigerator or promise from God from the scriptures that represent your stars. Put it on the mirror in your bathroom. Put it in, in your car where you see it every time you get in that just represents your stars, that identify your stars. Identify them and make a decision to look at them every day this week. My hope is that that would continue beyond this week. But just to imagine, what does it feel like? Close your eyes, breathe in. What does it feel like? What would your life look like? If you're believing for a child like Melissa and I were, what would it be like to hold that child, to smell that child? The good smells, you know. (laughs) To hold that child, to go to recitals, to go to ball games. What would it feel like to be at graduations, at a wedding? What would it be, be like to have that business be successful? That you could not only provide for you and yours, but you could be a blessing to other people. What would it be like to be in the marriage that you know God wants you to have? Make a decision to just look at your stars. Because on the other side of your hope that then creates faith are the dreams that God has placed in your heart being fulfilled.
And could you imagine what it would be like if all of us did this, if the whole body of Christ actually understood hope? If we understood that, yeah, we may not be the father of many nations now, but we will. Maybe all those poor choices that were made because of a lack of hope turn into choices that are made out of faith in God and in his word and in his promises. Will you stand with me?